You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. Welcome back to another Western Rookie Podcast episode brought to you by Go Hunt. I'm your host, Brian Krebs, and today I have Nick DeCastro on the podcast which is going to be, it's going to be a podcast like we've never had before on this show. So Nick and I met a few weeks ago and we did an episode on the Two Bucks podcast about Land Trust. So Nick is the founder of Land Trust and I'm not even going to attempt to describe what it is because he will do a much better job than I. But this is a really exciting episode for everyone that's in the middle of planning out their 2024 season with applications and states and hunts they want to go on. And with that, let's get this episode fired off. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on, Brian. Yeah. Uh, it was a, it was a good podcast uh, whenever it was before Christmas, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a fun one too. Yeah. I'm glad to have you back on. Once we had that one, I'm like, Hey, we got to get you on the Western rookie. Um, you know, not to talk about the business side of it, like we did last time, but talk about more of how land trust can be like just another tool in the tool bag for anyone that's looking not even western hunting here we kind of focus more on the western hunting but but just anyone really that's looking for more opportunities and i think before we get too deep into you know how it can help and all this stuff i think it'd be a good idea just to have you explain like what is land trust how, what's land trust to you specifically sure yeah uh so Pretty simply, a lot of people will describe us as like, hey, you're like a Airbnb for hunting and fishing and outdoor stuff on private land. So that's a kind of an easy way to think about it. We're a, a land sharing marketplace focused on outdoor recreation. So we have on uh, we have landowners, predominantly multi-generation farm and ranch families who uh, list their land on land trust and allow 
the people who love to be outdoors, like you and me, and I'm sure everyone else that listens to your podcast, to book exclusive access to it for you know a period of time to go and hunt or fish or forage or camp or all sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's do-it-yourself exclusive access uh, to private lands for hunting and fishing and, and, and a bunch of other outdoor activities. In the in the past, this kind of thing would be called a trespass fee, right? And, uh, I'm sure plenty of your listeners are familiar with that. You're paying a landowner just for access to their place. Yeah, and I've always hated the term trespass fee. It's just like <laughs> it I does don't have know. a negative connotation, right? I don't know who came up with that, but yeah, it's it's almost yeah. like you know, like it's like a speeding fee, like as if I get pulled over, I'm okay with paying yeah. the fine because I'm in such a hurry. But it's not that trespass yeah. fees are like no. you're paying a landowner to use their property for a given with their of time. permission of yeah, course with their permission yeah, yeah trespassing insinuates you didn't have their permission it is kind of a weird, weird right it trade. should be an access fee is what it should have an been. access fee yeah yeah and exactly. but before like before land trust access fees if you will the only mm-hmm. way you could really find one or figure it out or get a deal done is by like a knocking on doors or b knowing having an in knowing someone, you know, right. Whether that's, Hey, I've been going out West with John for years and John knows this rancher and we just, you know, hunt this rancher's land. Met and some dude at chip a in. coffee shop or yeah, yeah you know, whatever. Or, exactly. or knocking on doors, which it's hard yeah. to plan a hunt with the plan being, I'm going to knock on doors to find out which land I can hunt. Which is, yeah, it's so risky. I mean, any of us, guys who plan a trip whether it's going out west or us going out to the midwest or whatever i mean you get so many days i got you know a few young kids right married have a company like i don't get to go for two weeks and like hey maybe we'll knock on 25 doors for the first five days and then hunt the you know it's it's impossible to plan around something like that and who wants to like let's be honest who wants to go take vacation days to knock on random no one enjoys asking for permission it's That's correct. no one enjoys it on either side. They don't want, That's they correct. were eating dinner with their kids or they were about to watch a touchdown on their favorite football team. And the doorbell <laughs> yeah. goes off and they're like, gosh, darn it. Right. And you're yeah, sitting and you there. Twiddle- the, like, weird pleasantries. And you, know, yeah. like, you both know what you're there. For. Do I stand I on the step? Do I stand down on the ground? <laughs> right. Um, I like, yeah. I always wear sunglasses and I, then I realized like, I probably look really intimidating and scary when I'm just walking around with sunglasses and you can't see my eyes and you know, it, they'd add it. It's like hat fishing. If you've ever heard of that term. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, so I'm like even cognizant of like, Oh man, I should take my sunglasses off. I should take like any blaze orange off, you know, like, <laughs> and I, I'll do it. But it's because I'm local, and I think you kind of hit on that. Like, when I'm yeah. – shed season's a big time where I'll knock on doors. Because a lot of people don't look for antlers, and they don't care. Along, I don't oh, think – Well, a lot of farmers, you know, don't want to find antlers because when they find them, they find them with their tractor tires. Exactly. Um, well, especially yeah. in places where, like, the only cover or the only food sources are egg. Like, out west, like, no-till. That's where I find a lot of sheds, yeah. actually. And, yeah, so it's mm-hmm. like when it's local, I can knock on some doors – and it's not the end of the world. Maybe I burned a Saturday afternoon and I go back to life. But imagine, right. like, this time of year, for like, we just recorded before this an episode. It's a bonus series. Like, the Wyoming elk applications are coming due for non-residents. Imagine, like, mm-hmm. booking a Wyoming elk hunt not knowing where you're going to hunt. Like, you're just picking a unit. Be like, That's insane. Yeah. We'll figure it out so when we get insane. there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's where I think this land trust um, that you've built – is 
so unique in the fact that like you can you can basically bypass the door knocking. You are you're you're kind of filtering out everyone that would have said no. And you're That's you're exactly getting it, right. you're getting it down to only people that would say yes. And you're it, all the unpleasantries, all the awkward conversations gone. You can plan it out in advance, and you know like the terms. Buyer and seller, yeah, buyer and seller. There, they know what they're there for. It's not like hey, try to be real nice, and you know, like I said, everyone's there. They understand what they're there for. Uh, yeah, it's digital door knocking where every single landowner is absolutely going to say yes, and here's what their price is and what they're willing to offer and all that kind of stuff. It's just you know, normal market economics. Right. It's. Well, and the other thing, so you you said it's a period of time, like Airbnb, mm-hmm. but what's unique about it is like typically, you know, you're kind of in that that open gap in the industry because like leasing is very popular, especially in the Midwest and the East. Like it's all mm-hmm. leasing unless you can buy land, which like let's just face it, most of us cannot afford to yeah. just go out and be buying land willy-nilly. Like some people have a family 40 or, you know, eventually that you save mm-hmm. up and that's your one piece of ground. Yep. Um, but then the leasing comes into play, right? Well, typically, especially West, like, or anywhere you're traveling, but if you're going West, like for me, I'm Midwest going out to the West or for you, Mm -hmm. we talked about on the last podcast, you actually like going at the opposite direction. Like you live out West, you want to come out East and do something different. Like you're only looking at a week. Like it doesn't make sense for you to lease a Nebraska whitetail farm that you're going to see four days a year and you're going to pay for it 360 days a year. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, <clears throat> it's really about right-sizing the transaction. Um, you hit the nail on the head. Purchasing land for recreation, I mean, God bless if, if you can do it. I'm, I, I'm not envious. I'm, I'm, I, I hope to achieve that one day. Right. Uh, that's, that's amazing. But, uh, uh, but then, yeah, basically, if you wanted access to private land to hunt, um, it was either you own it, you were born into it, or you lease it, or you can door knock and maybe you get lucky. Right. Great. Um, but, but leasing is, it's really not the right size of transaction. Cause like you said, if it's, you're going to go out for four or five days a year, you know, do I, do I want to hunt Kansas whitetail or ducks in Kansas? Absolutely. Do I want to lease a property, an annual lease for that? No, I don't. Cause I'll go down for three days. And so I'd rather just pay for the days I'm out there. Um, and then, you know, you have to think about the landowner side too, that farmer or rancher, you know, when they, if they do a lease, they sold that property right away. Yeah. And so now in a lot of cases, like you don't have the hunting rights, your family doesn't, you can't let your neighbors hunt. You can't let the lo- your business partners, whatever. And so you kind of, it's yeah. not great for you as a landowner either. So yeah. it wasn't the right size transaction and land trust is as little as a day. I mean, we do have people who will book, you know, Nebraska's rifle season is nine days long. So people will just book the whole season. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That's an interesting one. That that's the unique caveat is that you can really select your number of days. And I think, I mean, mm-hmm. I, after our last podcast, I spent like two hours on land trust. I was just searching, man. I was just searching and searching and searching. Yeah, it's like scouting. It's like driving the back, you know, back roads, looking at ground, but you get to do it from your computer, or your phone. Yeah, and um, and I noticed some people had like minimums for certain things. Like usually, like bird watching and and some of like the non consumptive uses weren't they didn't have minimums. Just come out for a day, you know, see some yeah. of Montana's finest, you know, Ranch Valley country. But some of the hunting was like a two day minimum or a three day minimum, which is yeah. like, yep, it's still like a nice sweet spot because who's going to go elk hunting for less than three days? I mean, hopefully everyone exactly. goes and takes yeah. out on the first day, but you're not going to plan your trip for one day. Um, no. 
And so I thought that was really interesting. The one thing that I was struggling with, because what I was really curious about, we talked about shed hunting. You said there's a lot of shed hunting on mm-hmm. there. And I was struggling because I found like half of the shed hunting were listed under hunting and half of them were listed yeah. under like, is it exploring? Like outdoor, like outdoor rec. It's yeah. Just like general outdoor rec. Yeah. It, it, it is, uh, you know, we have the hunting stuff pretty dialed and, but that's the hard part about land sharing is like, there's so many different activities you can do. So we've been kind of transitioning the platform over to like where there's hunting, which you said, yeah, it's a consumptive thing. Right. Um, and it's regulated differently, but then everything else is just kind of like outdoor rec. So yeah. really we want all those other things to kind of fall under that. Hey, it could be fishing, could be foraging from morel mushrooms, could be shed hunting, could be a, any, any number of things. And we're going to call it just outdoor rec. Yeah. I think I even saw like some cattle drive listings, like come, yep. come ride a horse and be a part of a cattle drive. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. It'd be pretty fun, right? Well, it was, I'm thinking, I thought about it through my, yeah, it would be fun. It'd be my chance to be pretend I'm in the Yellowstone franchise, but no, I'm thinking of it as like, a, uh, what, like rancher's wife, like, finds out about land trust and, oh this will be perfect she makes all the listings and yeah, beautiful like had the best intentions but then the day comes and now the husband's responsible for taking care of this person <laughs> that's never rode a horse and they have a job to do yeah. and, and like i could just see it being like a never-ending trail of like unfortunate events but it was yeah, really so- cool like there's the point was there's a lot of things on there i was not expecting to see yeah you know and then we call those just farm and ranch experiences so uh like this this month and last month, uh, one of the ranches up here by us was doing um, sleigh rides. Now there wasn't a lot of snow, so they put wheels on the on the sleigh. Um, but you know, just took took, a, took usually we saw families book it. Um, saw yeah. you know family goes out and gets to go out and they had a tent set up and you know it's not um, they're not dude ranches. These are all working ranches, so it's not like the quote Yellowstone experience. This is just working ranches and they take you around. Very few of them are going to have horseback riding because, you know, yeah. they don't want to deal with that. aspect. Like you said, most of it's going to be, you know, certain unique types of experiences for one group of people, not like right. you, know, you and 60 other people. So it's and it's whatever they want to offer. Yeah, that's what's really cool about it, because like, you know, some ranches probably like, well, we don't like really have anything to hunt, but we have like an amazing trout stream. Well, there's a whole bunch yep. of people that want to do that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I was just really generally shocked about the number of different activities, um, the, like the creativity of like the landowners collectively, like I would say basically anything you want to do outside. And I was specifically looking like West of the Mississippi. There was a, there was an option for it. Yeah. And that's what we wanted. you know, eventually I joke, you know, Land Trust isn't a hunting company. It's a, it's a, you know, it's an outdoor recreation and land business. Yeah. Um, hunting is where I started. Having the right tool for the job can make all the difference in the world. And that applies for Western hunts too, especially if you're coming from the Midwest like myself. Because if you don't have it, there's no going home to get it. And that's why many of us Western hunters are also gear junkies. And the same is true for the folks over at Go Hunt. They have built the Go Hunt gear shop to be jam-packed full of the best, highest quality gear needed for your Western hunt. They try out everything that gets into the shop, and if they don't like it or they don't use it, it doesn't make the cut. So if you need something for your next trip, Go Hunt has something for you in the gear shop. 
They've got everything from optics, gear, camping accessories, apparel, footwear. They've got packs, and they've got some of the best brands in the industry. So if you're in the market for some new gear, consider checking out the Go Hunt Gear Shop. They're an avid supporter of the outdoors. They are supporters of this podcast, and most importantly, they're supporters of you. They want to help you be more successful in the West, so there's no better place to shop for gear, information, and knowledge than Go Hunt. And if you use the code WESTERN when you check out, you're going to get 10% off most of the regular priced items in the shop. So head over to GoHunt.com, get the gear you need, use the code WESTERN, and get the right tool for the job this fall. That's what I'm super passionate about. Um, and it's the biggest activity on the platform, but there's, you know, as we all know, like fishermen, you know, it's kind of funny to think as hunters, like bird watchers, but dude, bird watchers are ridiculously passionate. Just like, just like a hunter will wake up at 2 a.m. and drive and, you know, sleep in the dirt or whatever, like bird watchers, birders will do the same thing. So like, there's all these cool communities that love the outdoors and want to find places to do that with, without crowds. You know, public lands are awesome. I think we talked about this on our last, like we love public lands. Obviously right. it's, it's an amazing resource, but you know, there's crowding and there's some variables there you don't get to control. And so if you want to have like a little bit, uh, you know, different experience and you want to go on private and have access to some cool stuff like that, like land trust should be a place where you can do that regardless of what types of outdoor activities you love. Yeah. There's, so my brother and I have a difference of opinion when it comes to Cameron Haynes, right? Everyone knows who Mm -hmm. Cameron Haynes is. I yep. kind of, you know, look up to Cameron. I think he's done, like, he's. I've read he's both of his lot. books. Yeah, the, what he's achieved what? with where he started, assuming what? it's all not a blatant lie, and I can't imagine how it could be. Like, there's no way he would have gotten away with it, right? Like, I no. believe what he's led. Like, I, I'm pretty he has impressed. Too many haters that would have, he has too many haters that would have figured yeah, like, that out if he was lying about it. My brother is <laughs> not so optimistic about him. And... Mm. And I think it's mostly because, like, it's easy to, like, there's two schools of thought. And, like, when he hunts the Tahone Ranch, like, that is different. Like, we're out there trying to bust it on a general tag on public land. Yeah. And then you see someone that shoots, like, a 400-inch on a on a very tightly monitored, controlled access, huge swath of land that has, like, mm-hmm. the world's biggest animals. And they just do what they're right supposed to do. Right outside of L.A. It's so crazy. I've, I've, I've hunted quail on the Tejon Ranch growing up. Uh, never, obviously, it's a lot different price to hunt quail than it is to hunt elk. Right. Um, or, yeah. like, the yeah. what's the one in Utah they hunt with the uh, – um, yes, I know exactly. It's the, a reservation. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I would butcher the name of the of the of the um, tribe, yeah. but but like the elk just do what they're supposed to do. They're bugling their heads off all day long. You know, they come into the setups, and so my brother's like, yeah, yeah, incredible, I, incredibly high quality po- uh, properties. You know, like really high end properties. Right. Yeah. And my brother's like, yeah, that's not that cool. Like, and I'm like, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Like, he also shoots a public land. It'd be pretty Oregon. cool if you got to go out there, huh? Rosie every year. But yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. the difference. Like, yeah. like everyone's got their opinion on, you know, different levels, right? But the thing that was interesting about land trust that's maybe a little bit different than that, that example is that if, for example, Cameron Haynes books a, a land trust deal and, and reserves mm-hmm. a ranch right next to a bunch of public, which typically that's how it works, right? In the West, the private is low, the public's high, the elk get pressured, they come out of the public and onto private. If he books that, our hunt's getting better. 
because he's going to go pressure those elk on private land, and he'll probably shoot one or whoever it is. We're just using him as an example because I don't think he cares, nor will he ever probably hear it. But, (laughs) you know, like that person, that that figurative person that goes out and has the ability and interest to do that hunt, he makes my hunt better on public land by doing it. He First of all, his boot tracks (coughs) are going to be where I am because he's over on the private and he's going to push those animals that are over on the private eventually back onto public. So it's almost like this win-win, and I don't have to pay for it as the public land guy. That's right. That's right. So yeah, I mean, look, right here, right here in town, uh, we're based in Bozeman, and you know, we have Ted Turner's um, Flying D Ranch right here, and we're probably three miles from it, as I sit. And you know, most people, most residents in and around Bozeman will never hunt on the Flying D. You can, you can. I think I don't know what the prices are. Probably. Ten fifteen thousand dollars for a bull hunt. Don't quote me on that. I'm just saying it's around. It's it's a large number, right? Um, and that ranch provides incredible habitat, and that was done very intentionally. Um, but uh, a lot of people kill bulls right on right outside on public land, right? You know, so it, the, the the more hunting that happens on Ted's place is good for the public land hunters. You hunt the public on the other side of the fence, um, and so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if I was. Because it's it's almost funny, it's ironic that like most of the loud criticism comes from like the person that if I abstractly looked at the problem, I'd be like, why aren't you the biggest proponent of this? Yeah, like you're yeah, like chirping just... and yelling and and like negative feedback and loud and vocal, yet you're the public land hunter. Like, I want you're every single elk hunter except for our group to go on land trust and book a private land hunt. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Right. And maybe yeah. I will too, but that's what, like, that would be the position I would be in. Like I'll have the public lands to myself and all the animals will be over here. Yep. It's very yeah, interesting. It, 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 it is, it, you know, hunting is like a lot of other activities. It's, it is kind of a zero sum game in a way. Uh, I grew up surfing and I was, I was talking to a surfer recently who's now kind of crossed over into hunting. But it's like, yeah, intuitively I understand this. Cause if you go surfing and you're out at a, uh, at a break and you're the only person out, it's a lot more fun and a high, more high quality experience than when there's 60 other people out there trying for those same waves and hunting is the same thing, right? Like you out on a, on a piece of ground, chasing elk around or deer yeah. or whatever versus 60 other people doing that. It, it's just a very different quality of experience. It is it, but it's but the, there is a there's a huge and growing problem with the privatization of the wildlife, and it's not, you know, Texas high fence privatization. It's just mm. the the like you mentioned earlier. There's a lot of pressure on publics. A lot of animals are seeing that pressure. A lot of hunters are seeing that pressure, and the animals are moving to private, and it's a growing frustration, you know. And it's almost like a problem on on. Both fronts, like public land hunters are frustrated. They're like, there's so many people and there's no animals. They're all over there. I can see them. They're in, they're, they're mm-hmm. right in that guy's pasture. And the farmer, likely, a lot of times is also frustrated. He's like, I spend my entire life tending to these animals, raising, you know, cattle and, and growing alfalfa for them. And then this herd of 300 elk comes through and just blows out my winter pasture. They eat all the grass That's in my right. winter pasture. So a lot of times they're not super thrilled about this idea either. And then there lies the problem. And, you know, some ranchers obviously take advantage of different programs or just let people hunt. But they've got a little bit of a concern. Like, I don't really want to open my land up to anyone because I got cattle here. My house is right here. Liability. Like, yeah, I got kids. Like, I don't really want 100 random people I don't know a day coming through my property and, and you know, firing guns and stuff. So that it's like this weird situation 
that there's not a great solution for today. I mean, you hear like Montana Game and Fish are trying to address this issue. Like, how do we fix this? And then you come in with land trust, which is just a private, um, a private industry capital, you know, capital market solution right. to a problem that like doesn't cost any taxpayer dollars. It helps all three. That helps the rancher. It helps the public land. Uh, what was the third one? I forgot who the third guy was. But, oh, private land hunter, public land hunter, and rancher. Like, it helps all three p- groups. You know, and it's just, yep. it's a, I think it's just an ingenious solution to a problem we all face that, like, really benefits everyone. Yeah, I, and I appreciate the perspective. And, and, and look, you know, the government, uh, in almost any category, there's going to be, like, I, I see this, especially in hunting as like a three-legged stool. There's a role for the government. Yeah. There's a role for non-governmental organizations, you know, like the, the, you know, the national Turkey foundation, you know, all of the species right. organizations. And then there's a, a role for private industry. Yeah. Now I believe all the scale, if you want to, if you want to figure out access and hunting access, because uh, I think we, we might've mentioned this, the other one, but like the 2023 uh, outdoor industry associations, special hunting report came out, I don't know, two, three months ago. And the number one quoted issue that um, hunters said they had across archery and, and firearms is quality places to hunt. Yeah. And so like, that's what hunters are saying is the number one thing that is the problem is like 80 something percent, right? It's overwhelming. So, okay. Yeah. Let's figure out access. And if you want to figure out access, 70% of the lower 48 is private. 900 million of the 1.4 billion acres of private land in the, in the U S are owned by farmers and ranchers, like agricultural production. Right. So like, okay, that's a huge chunk. How do we go figure that out? Yeah. And, and sure. The, the government is going to offer programs like block management, like we in, in Kansas and right. great. That's That's awesome. The matter of fact is most landowners are not going to opt into that because they don't want to give up control of their land um, and control of who gets to access their land. They're great programs. Yeah. I love it. I've used them. Um, then the non-governmental organizations like a Pheasants Forever, RMEF, Mule Deer Foundation, they're going to have their own stuff where they'll go and do habitat and conservation work with private landowners. But in order to do that, they need to require public access to that for hunting. Also cool, but also a very small amount of landowners are going to do that. Right. And then there's the, then there's the private market. So how do you make this again like a you know a mutually beneficial transaction? And that's where all the scale is going to come from when you're talking about unlocking hunting access to right. private lands. Yeah. I- this episode is brought to you by Steelhead Outdoors. From the moment I first saw a Steelhead Outdoor safe, I knew I was going to order one. The ability to customize the color, the configuration, and most importantly, the ability to move and assemble my safe panel by panel makes Steelhead Outdoors the clear winner when it comes to gun safes. And if you haven't ordered a Steelhead Outdoor Gun Safe yet, you can still benefit from their innovation and creativity because the guys over at Steelhead have designed some awesome accessories. Their case keeper allows you to hang all of your hunting caps and gun cases off the side of your safe, and it keeps your hunting room looking clean and organized. Or my favorite is the bow keeper that lets me hang my bow off the side of my safe so me and my wife can walk into our safe room, hang up our bows after shooting in the backyard, and not have to worry about the hassle of putting our bows back in the case every time. Both the bow keeper and case keeper are magnetic and work with any safe, which means you can use them now with your current safe, and when the time comes to order your Steelhead Outdoors gun safe, 
you'll already have all the accessories you need. Head over to steelheadoutdoors.com to order your bowkeeper and case keeper today. I kind of view it, and I, this is just my perspective on it, but I kind of view it as like a pyramid where the base is government. And and that is really like a last-ditch effort to make sure mm-hmm. this doesn't go away in the form of like, you know, limiting um, tags, allocations, and just like making sure we don't like, for the example of the 1800s, market hunt out all of the wildlife in North yep. America. Like that was what was yeah. happening when we invented yeah, you need the, to have hunting regulations. Right. We yeah. invented the great, like the North American conservation model, like the greatest conservation yeah. model of the world because of that issue. That's a like, government came in and was like, hey, if we don't put a stop to this, like a hammer drop, this is going to go away. And then the couple of the programs you mentioned, but the, you know, whatever they they help some people, but like, would you rather get like $2 an acre for your like pretty, you know, marginal pasture land? Or would you rather do something like this and you can maybe get like $150 a day or whatever the rate is, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. the, the governments yeah. can only pay you so much because there's so, you know, it's big. There's lots of people like they can't be paying everyone four hundred dollars an acre for hunting rights on their land that go broke and our taxes would skyrocket. So that's like a healthy base. Yeah. Then you go up a level and the NGOs like do a ton of work. And they that that like the next level up on the pyramid, they open up landlocked areas, they do all kinds of habitat improvement. They really help, you know, the the wildlife hit that next stride, if you will. Like the elk in America wouldn't be anywhere close to where they are without the RMF. Mm-hmm. I mean it's simple fact. But it's not like you said, it's not, it's like, it's a dull blade on a sword. Like, it would still really hurt, but it's not sharp. The sh- I think that last section is like, when you can have a free market solution, that's what really polishes the edge of that blade, or the axe, if you will, and yep. and allows this thing to just really be smooth. And And that's, I think you have like a three-legged approach, like you said, and it's just, you know... Land trust isn't in the business of regulating how many tags are available, but no, it is in no, the business of really scaling solutions and access and access to land. Yeah. yeah, access to private land. That's right. Um, yeah, it's it, it is you know private land access for outdoor recreation generally, but for hunting specifically is my opinion the biggest. Uh, probably the biggest issue other than, you know, people trying to regulate hunting out of existence, yeah. uh, which there are plenty of those people who are all, all day, every day working hard at that. I mean, you uh, could probably remind... make a pretty honest and accurate argument that land trust is also helping that by keeping like at least two of the R's engaged, right? Like recruit, mm-hmm. retain, and, and maybe like maybe the retain and reactivate where people are like, Oh man, I used to hunt. Now I can actually find a nice place to go. But that's like the, you know, no, the numbers are what protect our right to hunt. Like we need people to show that's up right. on on Tuesdays to vote, and and that's, that's, opportunities that's to stay right. engaged hunting is what's going to keep them voting for our rights. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's it, it's kind of the frustrating. It's one of the frustrating things that you know. There, we, of course, we have detractors, people who don't like what we do, and it's and they seem to be like we don't want any more R three, we don't want any of this stuff. I'm like, dude, eventually. There is a very well mobilized, very well funded group of people who hate hunting and hunters and want to see it gone. Yeah. And you know how I know that that's true? Look at all the countries around the world who have banned hunting, like where you cannot go hunting. It's, so, so yeah. I want lots of people to hunt. I want lots and lots and lots of people to hunt. 
Now, you know, if you're a public land hunter today and you're like, well, shit, my spot has 50 trucks at the trailhead. Like, okay, well, that's a supply issue. So how do we bring more supply onto the platform, you know, right. available to hunters? And that's private land. And so I think it's going to just... see this big pendulum swing back to private. And I think it's just going to expand like very organically. I mean, man, I could just picture a coffee shop in some little town in Montana and a guy, hey, Bill, how's, you know, that thing you you mentioned it before you were starting, what land trust and, you know, how'd that go? Oh, my God, man. Like, I, you know, I wouldn't have been profitable this year on, you know, with the drought and whatever unless we did. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to go sign up. You know, like, it's just going to organic. Yeah. Or like, hey, you know, Nick, how'd you shoot that awesome bull? You didn't, I didn't, you didn't even have points in, in a trophy unit in Wyoming. You're like, well, I, it was a general take. It wasn't a points take. I just, you know, found this great ranch on land trust and I booked it for a five day hunt and it had a great bull on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. We have a small town outside Bozeman here where there's three businesses and all three businesses are owned by ranchers and they're all on land trust. So not only are they generating income for their operations off of land trust, but then the guests are coming into town to drink some beers, eat some food, go to the general store. And they're, you know, they're bringing, revenue into town too that's pretty cool that's pretty cool so if we, if we kind of switched gears and 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 uh, moved into more of a like a specific hunter mm-hmm. and and like their experience of the land trust rather than like at whole sure you know i was on the website it is like if you can buy anything online you can figure it out like that part is a breeze right mm-hmm. It's you. You've built a very easy to understand marketplace. I mean, it's almost like Zillow. Like, and everyone's looked at houses on Zillow. Like, you you just look at properties. There's a lot of information, pictures. You scroll through. Oh man, this one looks great. One of the things that yep. I would be asking, and I think most people would be asking, and you've probably already got an answer for this because we talked about it last time. But the thing that I would be a little bit concerned about would be, um, I don't know phone call from my garbage provider that's not good um would be uh you know how do i know this is like gonna turn out like how do i know like on paper on the website this place looks great how do i know when i get there it's gonna be good and and Mm -hmm. and because that would be a little hesitation anytime it it seems like just anytime you got to spend money without being able to like see or touch something it's just you got to answer some of those questions of doubt and and we talked about this before, and and, and um, you had some answers, but like, what would that look like for someone that is interested, but they just wanted like a little bit of reassurance that that it's gonna be what they expect? Yeah. So, expect that last word you said is the operative word. So, expect or expectations. First of all, from a hunting perspective, land trust is about experiences and not outcomes. So, you know, if there's a scenario where a guy has saved up 15 years of points and he finally drew the tag and he's like, dude, if I don't kill this 200 plus inch mule deer, I'm going to be pretty bummed out. Call an outfitter. Like, <laughs> that's what you should do. I'm, right. I'm, I'm being serious, dead serious, yeah. right? Because that's just, that's a different thing. Um, now, that isn't to say that Land Trust doesn't have properties where you can kill 200 inch mule deer. Like, we literally had a, a, a little kid, his first year this year was a 202. Oh, here in Montana. Do you know how much he paid? Do you know how much his family paid for access? hundred dollars a day. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, that's uh, so, but, but, but expectations like land trust is about getting exclusive access to private property and having great experiences around this thing we love, which is hunting. Right. A, a lot of, uh, remember that most of our landowners are multi-generation farmer ranch families who live and work on that land. Right. And, 
you, you, um, you read the reviews and all the reviews are talking about how cool it was to meet those farmers, those ranchers, spend time with them. They showed them around, like just, they both gush about each other, like how cool that is. So expectations are important. It's about experiences, not outcomes. Now, of course, people do well on land trust and, and, and that is a great outcome. Um, but I think if you find properties on land trust or listings, the cool thing is you can just contact the landowner and ask them questions. And again, these are people who live and work on that land and have their whole lives. Uh, they know it pretty well. Um, they're, they have very different incentives than let's say an outfitter. And I just want to say we have nothing against outfitters. They're a service provider. Right. Um, there are great ones and there are terrible ones, of course, um, just like any other service provider. But inherently, we don't have any issues with outfitting by, by any means. However, outfitters have a different business model. Right. Our landowners who are farmers and ranchers, their business is agriculture, you know, production agriculture, whether it's beef or corn or beans or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. This is just something that they you know, can monetize in addition to that. So they didn't pay for a lease for this ground that they then have to recoup the cost of paying for the lease. So, you know, an outfitter is going to go and lease up ground and say, hey, here's I laid, I laid $100,000 of leases out this year. I need to make at least 150 grand on hunts in order to break even and make some profit on this. So their yeah. incentives are a bit different than our landowners. Like our landowners turn people down all the time. They're like, you know, Kansas was a good example this year. We had a ton of people who wanted to book bird hunts in Kansas. And like, dude, we just... There's been a drought for four years. The bird numbers kind of suck. Like we're not going to do any bird hunting this year. Yeah. And they now, didn't if you, migrate. If you're, I mean, yeah. <laughs> interestingly so, enough, so like if, nothing froze. So the birds didn't go down there. Well, I'm even talking about pheasant and quail and like oh, upland yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, so, and so, you know, but, but that's the difference. Like they're not trying to say, oh crap, we got to break even because we paid for leases and we got to like make that money back. This is the ground they own and live and work. Right. And so they're in, and they, and they also have seen, great years of wildlife populations and crappy years. And we, we see it in the messages back and forth all the time. Like, Hey, you know, mule deer numbers are just not that great this year. We're not going to do mule deer hunting yeah. because they want to see that. Like that's where they live. They want to see those populations be healthy. And it's a little bit of a, like a crowd funded um, feedback system, right? You know, like the longer it goes on and the longer a property is listed, like the more touch mm -hmm. points you get, Kind of like your Uber driver, like when you get a five. Well, there's ratings. Yeah, you get yeah. a five point yeah. Uber driver that's done two thousand rides. You're like, holy crap! Like, is this guy gonna give me a yeah. foot massage while we go, or like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. And it and it kind of like the system kind of corrects itself in a way. But the interesting piece that I think you mentioned is like the ability to reach out to a landowner and just say, you know, for example, this fall, me and my wife are doing our first Western hunt together. Now that she's done with residency. We're going to do an antelope hunt in Wyoming. And so I could find if there's a if there's a property listed in our unit, I could reach out and be like, hey, me and my wife are coming to, you know, coming to this unit. You know, we're, we'll probably spend a lot of time on public land, but I'm really curious about your property. You know, like what are antelope numbers like on your property? It, you know, mm -hmm. is it a place where we might, you know, see good numbers or see animals every day? Yep. And they'd be like, hey, you know what? Actually, we don't really have any antelope on our farm. We see a lot of deer. We got a lot of mule deer. Maybe we got yep. whitetails, but or the opposite. Like, yeah, there's, you know, there's. Yeah, we always have antelope in our pivots. Yeah, they're yeah. always in our pivots. And, you know, you could. Yeah, exactly. And right. this is what. Like. That's exactly the value of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, they're not incentivized. Like outfitters they need to make their money back they also right. are very concerned about two numbers like shot opportunity percentage and average size because those are the questions that everyone asks versus you know a land trust negotiation like the landowner is like i don't really it, like 
if we're advertising deer hunting, I'll be honest with the deer we have, but after that, yeah, like it's, and it's on just your own. access. This is DI, this is DIY, man. Like, right. that's the thing it, 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 for an outfitter when you're commanding a certain price and for a service, like, yeah, expectations that higher amount of the more money you spend, this is regardless of whatever industry, if this car costs this much more than this car, I expect more from that car. Right. You know, if you're not fitting, you're charging $10,000 for an elk hunt. That's a d- different expectation than someone books a four day elk hunt DIY on land trust for two grand, you right. know? So it just, it's just, no, it's just normal market behavior. Yeah. And it's like, you can't expect the moon and stars either on it. Like, like it's no. hunting. Like you could draw that 15 unit tag and be like, no, I'm a DIY public land hunter. It's like, okay, you still might not see that 200 inch buck or you might uh, yeah. get the outfitter and you still might not see that 200 inch buck. Like, I really see this fitting in my arsenal for um, – I'll probably be picky, you know, because like, like everyone else, money is still an object for me. Like it's – it's the, <laughs> you got to plan it me out apport- accordingly. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, hey, there's a really good-looking ranch. Um, it looks really – it looks like this could be a really sweet spot. Let's see about hunting this. You know, maybe we don't even focus completely on that. We're still going to that area. We were planning on public land, but this is an option. And at the price it's listed, it's a great just add-on to augment yep. our hunt. But also, like, you know, I just want to go on a mule deer hunt where I have the freedom to look at deer, to kind of just look over some bucks, be a little pickier, not be worried if, like, oh, man, there's a guy on that other hill. And, like, if he sees That's right. Deer, there's three you know, guys moving on this deer. Yeah, yeah I got to run. Yeah. You know, Chet- I got to run. Game. And if I don't shoot him now, someone like, I might not see another one either you know what i mean like it's just like that there's a different pressure well that's the that's the experience part man like honestly you know i've got three little kids i got three daughters four and under and a company and (laughs) i don't get to hunt a lot you know and so when i when i do get to get outdoors i certainly don't want to go do the the chess match of like oh okay cool i showed up to this you know access point and there's six trucks here Let's go drive to the other one. Oh, there's 10 trucks there. I just don't want to do that. Like, I just want to go outdoors and be on my own and be able to hunt a place how I want to try and hunt it, not based on the pressure of other other hunters out there. And to me, honestly, it, it is way more enjoyable at this stage of my life. Like, I'm genuinely envious of, like, the, you know, college-age kid who gets to go out and scout for 50 days a year and hunts, <laughs> you know, six weeks during the season. Like, that's amazing. Enjoy that time of your life it changes. And at this stage of my life, when I get those precious few days a a year to go hunting, like I don't want to deal with that stuff. I want to go have the place to myself Yeah. with my, you know, my friends or family, whoever's coming with me and just enjoy being outdoors and not have like, it's stressful, dude. Like, you know, you show up, you have your game plan that you planned on Onyx because you watch Randy's e-scouting video. And guess what? Everyone else watched that too. And, <laughs> and they're all, all at the same place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They all thought that place looked pretty darn good. And then it's like, great. And I think this brings a point. Hunting public land is not free. It's free to walk onto that public land. That's a true statement. But when you start to look at the amount of time and effort and gas and all that kind of stuff, what could, because you and I know public land hunting, especially in the West has become this, like social media trend fad thing that you got to like, go do it. And the amount of pressure that's put on these places now, again, everyone's watched Randy's e-scouting video. So everyone is going to come to the same conclusions that these areas are good areas. And then you show up and you're like, Oh, what's plan A, plan A shot, plan B shot, plan C uh, shot. And you put 600 miles on your truck 
yeah. uh, going between plan A, B, and C, and you burn two, three days doing that shit. Like, if you're looking forward to another fall of hunting big bucks, but you're tired of freezing your tail off or getting busted by does, head over to maverickhunting.com and check out their Maverick and Booner blinds. Both series are incredibly easy to set up and get out in the woods. I set up two of the six-panel blinds in the same week. And whether your favorite spot is on a field edge or way back in the sanctuary, you can have a hard-sided blind in your favorite spot this season. Keep the elements out and you're sent in with a Maverick hunting blind. The best part is Maverick blinds ship out of their factory in just one or two days, which means you still have plenty of time to get a comfortable blind set up before the cold weather arrives and those big bucks are cruising through your spots. Go to maverickhunting.com and use the code WESTERNROOKIE, that's one word, to save 10%. That's right, 10% on your Maverick hunting blinds. That's not free. <laughs> it's not free. I mean, we Whereas did that. Like, hey, exact. Yeah. We did that exact thing, Southeast Montana. If everyone wants like a free tip, like it's hard to get free information on hunting the West. <laughs> I'll give you this one for free. There's a lot of hunters in Southwest Mon- or Southeast Montana, and there's not as many deer as there yeah. used to be. Yep. Um, uh, we get free tips because it's on private, not everyone can access it. That's the cool difference between public and private. Like we can tell you where cool stuff's happening because it's on private land. Yeah, and you exactly. Have the same ability. Public land. So we planned this mule deer hunt. It was me. I'd hunted the west a couple times. I've hunted the mule deer a couple times. I was like six, seven years into my western hunting experience, and I brought a buddy with me that was an avid whitetail hunter, never hunted the west before. And he had a camper, mm-hmm. and so we were planning out like, oh, let's base camp here. You know, the good area got kind of variety of different um terrain types lots of public around who we camped there the roads that we were traveling like especially like river roads like anywhere in the west there's mm-hmm. east river west river or north yep. river south river that's right and the trucks yep. we saw on that road oh my gosh every like yep. there'd be a corner of public that like overlapped the road for like 100 yards of roadway and there'd be four trucks parked on it and, yep. and so we're just, you know, so like you said, we drove around spot after spot. Unfortunately, my buddy passed what was the biggest buck we saw the whole week, like 10 minutes into the first morning. Because he's like, oh, man, this is great. 10 minutes in. We're not even yeah, to our spot. Mo- yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, ah, yeah, I'm not going to shoot it. We'll see a bigger one. <laughs> Proceeded to not hardly see another deer for the next three days. Checking out Publix, this up this road, down the other side, over here, over there. But, you know, like literally probably racked up six, seven, eight hundred miles on the yep. truck, wasted three days. We finally got into this area like an hour and a half, two hours from our base camp that we're seeing more deer. And then on the last day, we doubled, like cutting it close to the final bell. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, like it just proves the point. Like I just have a, a very relatable experience what you said. Like public land, you don't, there's not does. a credit card machine at the trailhead, but no. there's no such thing as a free lunch. Like it's just a law of economics. It's a law of everything in life. Like, you pay for public land with boot leather. And, 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 and how much stress and, un, and unfun was those first three days? It just sucks. Like you're down. You're like, God, dude, every single freaking place we go. It was like a, other dudes there. It was definitely a, like a slow. <laughs> and the, what was yeah. really not fun was the second day after we kind of like, oh, my gosh, like we should go back and kill that buck that we saw <laughs> this morning. Yeah tomorrow morning and so we get back there and there's a guy parked right there and we're like well maybe he went right mm-hmm. so we go left where we wanted to go and sure enough he went left and we're like 100 yards behind him and i'm like dude we gotta well, leave like this is the west like this guy like you can't just move over 200 yards no. in the west no. like you can in the white woods and, and put up a stand 
my buddy was about ready to to like chew me out. He was so angry because he's just yeah, like, why I, not? I, like, let's just move over. I'm like, I, I don't feel comfortable. Like, that's not like if someone did that to me, I'd be. Pissed. But that's all stress, man. Like, oh I yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that was a very stressful day. <laughs> be freaking stressed, man. I go, I I leave my daily life that has all its stresses to go outdoors to not be stressed. Yeah, and that like that is why I, I got a buddy who was born up on the high line. And like everyone, everyone that hates land trust and me like that guy's not from Montana. I'm not from Montana. I've never said I'm from Montana. I'm from Southern California. I grew up surfing and fishing at the beach. It was a lot cooler when I was, you know, my, I'm 36. It was a lot cooler when I was younger. So, you know, that's like their first thing, but you know, I got a buddy who's native Montana, multi-generation. When I first started telling about land trust before I started again, I was like, nah, dude, I'm not going to ever do that. I'm never going to you know, pay to go on private land. He hasn't hunted on public land probably in like three years using his own money. All of his hunts are on land trust because he now has young kids. He, you know, he works yeah. construction and he's like, dude, I look at it and I used to spend every freaking weekend driving all over Montana, which is a big ass state and the amount of fuel I burned in my truck and the time away from home, like it adds up. Yeah. I got to walk onto the land for free. Right. But everything else costs money. Yeah. And you know, it's like the, the that stress factor, all of that stuff. It's like, I just, I'm not saying like, I still hunt some block management stuff. Sometimes I'll hunt on public too, but now more and more, it's like, nah, I just don't want to deal with any of that stuff. It doesn't mean I'm successful. I've hunted tons of private land and not, you know, scored, but at least the experience was stress-free. <laughs> was it like what you just explained, like right. 30 trucks, that dude's in my spot, like all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel it. And that's, what's attractive to it. I'm, I'm curious. I'm you're obviously on land trust all day long and you're seeing all kinds of stuff, yeah. both in front and on the back end. Mm-hmm. Do you have the, like the ability to just kind of ballpark some numbers for the listeners of like what maybe uh like a, a normal land trust listing for like a deer or an elk hunt could be per day just to like, you know, it's obviously variety. Like if you're yeah. primo ranch, like giant animals, like they're, Landowners know what they have. They know the value of their of land. Course. Like you said, they've been working this land yep. their entire life. They know what they've got. But just yep. to your average, like your average good middle of the pack listing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking, I just did a search for Montana, you know, elk hunting stuff. And you've got, uh, let me see here. I mean, you're looking at anywhere from $150 a day to $350 a day. Yeah. So there's a range, uh, just like with everything in life. Um, and it's like, what do you want? Are you looking for that, like semi-guided feel where it's like, this is a very special property and it's going to be some, maybe some more opportunities than you would normally get on public or on a different listing. Or are you looking for like something else? Like you're just looking to get away from the crowd and you're like, I can work hard. That's not a problem. And I don't have like a high bar. I just want to be able to work an animal the way I hunt. And not have to, yep. like, it's already hard enough to figure out, like, a mule deer, like a trophy mule deer, a mature mule deer buck. Like, they don't call well. They don't pattern well. They hide incredibly well. Like, it's already hard enough to figure them out and find one, much less do all that and then figure out how the general public's going to hunt and react and how he's going to yep. adjust based on what they're, and, you know, it's like a, now it's like four-dimensional chess that you're playing. <laughs> and it was already yeah. hard enough to begin with. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, look, you're looking at, uh, you know, for elk, uh, 150 to a few hundred bucks a day, and a lot of these places will include lodging in it. 
So, uh, I mean, turkey hunting, it could be anywhere from 75 to 200 bucks a day. Like, I mean, this is, it is very affordable. And this considering is, I'm not what you every, like put into yeah. going on a trip anyway, like for the, the person that just lives at home or like lives near the listing, like a person that lives in Montana, you know, obviously like it depends on what they're doing and what they want, but they're probably not like booking 90 days a year on land trust, right? Like they're still going to, no, they're still going to do both, but, it, but they're also only putting in $30 to their elk tag and they only have to drive maybe 40 miles to their spot versus like, I have to put $850 into my elk tag. I have to yep. drive a thousand miles to my spot. I have so much cost already baked into this. Like it's almost like an, yep. it's not about an outcome, but it is a little bit like an insurance policy for my hunt in a way. Like it's a marginal addition to a insurmountable gain in, you know, the experience. That's yeah. I think that's, and, and look, we do see a lot of local spot. I mean, I personally do this. I hunt a few of the properties. I just shot some ducks and in, in uh, with some buddies last weekend at a place that's six minutes from my house. And so like, yeah, I do that now instead of going to the public spot that's on the river that we never really had a lot of success on because there's a lot of people there. Yeah. And so it works for both the, what we call a hunting vacation where what you just described him going a state away, two states away. And like, this is my time to, yeah, there's cool. There's a bunch of cool properties around me. I just booked those for a day here and there or two days. And you know, you can use it more and more like that. Do you have any ability to kind of gauge like openings and like how fast do properties book up is really what I'm getting at. So like right now we are in the middle of application season across a lot of the West. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, a lot of States like Montana is a great example has a great general tag where you can really bounce around. Um, But like right now for 2024, I happen to know this because I just spent a lot of time researching this. They're changing the elk in Wyoming to now you have to select one of three zones for your general elk tag. Mm -hmm. You can't bounce around the whole state. So now, like if you were interested, the price went up quite a bit. The special went up a ton. The regular didn't go up much at all. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. The special went up to almost two grand, which is going to, yeah, we've talked about this in the bonus series, but that's going to push some people back into the regular draw. Um, For sure. But you got to select one of these three areas. So if you're like, well, I want to go elk hunting anyway. But I would be a little interested in, like, thinking about maybe adding a land trust booking to my hunt and give us just one more option. Like, I've never opposed to having options on a hunt. But now you yeah. got to kind of – you got to plan in advance. Like, do you have to book for, like, especially hunting? I know there's all kinds of stuff. Non-consumptive stuff maybe doesn't book up as fast or it's more different, a complete different season. But for, like, elk or mule deer, are things booking up, like, early in the year, like first quarter? Or can you – be a little bit more flexible or maybe in my case, um, procrastinate a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the larger we grow, the more stuff will book kind of faster. And, and, and we do see those larger kind of like hunting vacation bookings where this guy's coming out West or vice versa, just like going to another state uh, is what we call like the hunting vacation for three, five days or whatever. Um, a lot, we do see a lot of stuff starting to get planned and booked in Q1 you know, early Q2, obviously tags get released. We're going to be rolling out some cool programs where we'll have like tag insurance. Cause a lot of guys are like, dude, I want to book this right now to like get it locked in, but we, we don't know if we've drawn yet. And so we're going to be rolling out. We're going to be rolling out uh, what we call tag insurance. So in case you don't draw, like we can get you refunded. Um, 
but uh, that'll be part of a subscription, a premium subscription that we'll be releasing here in a couple months. Yeah, that's interesting. That's because that's the issue. Like that is the issue is like I can apply now, but like Wyoming, oh my gosh, would I love to talk to the commission of Wyoming? Because they're now, you know, three, four years ago, they switched to the, the deadline is January 31st and they don't tell you if they drew until May 16th this year. Which is yeah, that's like that's that's brutal, <laughs> and that's like I don't want to bankroll your department for four months interest free. Like that's basically what it yeah. is. And what's yeah. incredible to me is that the resident and all the other apps are due like May first, and then you get the results May eighteenth. So there is yeah. zero reason for it other no. than to make non-residents jump through hoops. But that's yeah, the point. So it's like so if I wait till May, make some interest on it. <laughs> oh man, can you imagine? They're <laughs> yeah. probably not that savvy, and they probably have rules like, "Yeah, we can't the, touch the fund." It is, it is the government, but <laughs> yeah. Well, but if yeah. they're like arbitraging like, things like twice a day for those ninety days of trading, yeah, they're gonna yeah. make enough money to fund their whole business for the year. Um, it, but that's the worry, right? Like you have to wait till May sixteenth, and it's like, man, all the good properties are gone now that I know I drew. So that's interesting that you already like kind of had yeah. that come up and then came up with a solution for it. You know, what? I'm curious. I'd ask you, it's an interesting mental model where you're at, where it's like, Oh, I want to go do all this stuff on this Wyoming elk hunt. And maybe I'll book a land trust as a backup property. That is like an interesting way to think about it. Like, wh- why do you think that way? Because for me, I mean, obviously I'm the founder of land trust. So I t- take that as granted. It would be the opposite for me. Like, Hey, we're booking this ranch and I've already talked to the rancher and I see game camp photos and I know like, I know what's going on over there. Like, yeah. Why, worst case why scenario, not? Like pop that, that would be the whole trip. Like worst case scenario, something happens, you know, and you like pop over to some public somewhere. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, probably because that's what I'm familiar with. It would be the easy, yeah. like the, like probably at the deep level, like, you know, we just always hunt public and, you know, cause that's been our options. But then, like, if I start to really, like, apply my engineering brain to it, it's like, you know, a 2,000-acre ranch is a huge ranch to own, but that is nothing for an elk. Like, I've watched it all, elk. Yeah, all, it, it all depends on, yeah, it totally. Every property is different. When you have these big, you know, migratory, uh, you know, species. Right. Certainly. And, 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 yeah, they can move a long way. And, you know, whitetail is a different ballgame. Yeah, 2,000 acres for a whitetail ranch, I'm with you. I wouldn't even leave the ranch. Mule deer, probably yeah. the same. It's just, to me, like... I've watched elk like not leave my spotting scope and cross a 2000 acre ranch yeah. in like 20 minutes. And so it'd just be more so like, like there's a chance, like if we found a 2000 acre ranch and we booked it, like there just might not be elk on it those three days or five, you know, like the elk herds move yeah. around and I, yeah, I don't yeah. really know, but I could see like, you know, if we booked it, we would for sure start there. Like in a realistic yeah. sense, like come opening day, we're going to be on the ranch and then if something isn't like there's elk sign everywhere, they're just not here today. Then we'll like hit the publics around the ranch, and, and you know what I mean. Like the yeah. that would be our baseline. And I don't even know what the sizes are, but like I picked two thousand as an example. Like some ranches, like we have a group of eight people. Like you can't really elk hunt eight guys on a five hundred acre ranch. No, not at least got, two days I mean, in a row. I, I think or, our I think our biggest I think our biggest contiguous property is sixty five thousand acres. That would be a completely um, different story. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just like. So, uh, but I also don't know if I could afford sixty five thousand acres of elk. It's, it's, look, it's it's it's. I always say it's you know our market our market <laughs> is like uh, like Airbnb. On Airbnb, you can rent Everything. anything from a hostel to a castle. 
from 20 bucks a night to $20,000 a night, right? It's, so it's got, yeah. you can right size and find the right thing for you. Now, you know, it's our job to continuously add new ground onto it. So there's more and more options that you can find the right yeah. thing for you. I think it would probably be like just a way of thinking about it as like a, a layered safety net. Like we're not going to put all of our eggs into this basket. We really like the idea. Yeah. And we really hope it works out, but we are fully prepared to like go back to public. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, for sure. It's, yeah. That's, and that's, that's my mindset is always like, Hey, this is, we're going to spend our time here, but if we need to, we can always bounce the public. Yeah. That would probably be the way. It, I think the way I said it is just because of the way I'm familiar, but the way we would hunt it would be the way you described is we would start out yeah. on the land trust booking. Yeah. And then if we needed to um, bounce back to public, but that's for elk. Like that is a, that's a very specific situation um, you know, elk, like archery elk season is a unique, like elk don't migrate down typically in archery season. So now you're looking like, that's like a, a rifle property that I'd book on land trust and a, and a archery property that I book on land trust are going to look very different. Right. It, it really depends. I mean, I could tell you, uh, one of the best performing properties from a hunter success perspective on for elk is, a. it's under 800 acres. Right, um, not the size. The, I'm just saying, just like, the, it's just the right 800 acres for you know, it's like got timber. I mean, it's got the right things there, right? Yeah, right. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. I'm not like. There's a lot of times where you could book grassland pasture for a late season rifle elk hunt when they've migrated yeah. out, and but if you book that for archery season, like you're not going to see. Yeah, you'd be not. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Like, they would there. look different. They're not totally, necessarily the size yeah. needs to be different. Um, well, and that's where, you know, and that's where like in package descriptions and stuff, so when you go on there and when you talk to landowners, they'll say, Hey, look, you know, we're gangbusters in, in archery. And then by the time rifle comes, they're not here. They'll just tell you that like, so, okay, cool. We're not doing anything there. We'll do archery there. Yeah. Cause at a certain level, like they, like this is definitely for most is probably like an additive, um, depending on their style. Like maybe this is their beer money fund. Maybe this is their new yep. ranger fund. Maybe this is like the make or break profits, you know, vehicle. But for most people, it's probably not their primary focus. But at a certain point, I do believe that a lot of the landowners want like good reviews. They want good stuff. They don't want, they don't want to be advertising like 400 inch bulls on land that doesn't even have a mouse on it. And then like have a zero star rating. Like no one want, like they don't want that either. Right, like they're not going to. Well, and it would be weeded out instantly, right? It take one. It would take one. It would take one review, one booking, and one review of that. Right, like you know? this so is like, I advertise as a trophy elk property. We didn't see any elk. We didn't see any elk sign. We didn't see any elk habitat. We saw a couple antelope, and like that would yeah. be the end of that. You know, so it's like yeah. it's the landowners want they well, and it's I gotta imagine it's a it's a setting very right prideful thing. About their land. Yeah, it's setting the right expectation. It's pride, but it's also honesty. Again, we're working with multi-generation farmer ranch families where handshakes mean stuff. And, you know, like they're giving – I find they often undersell what they have. Well, that's what I'm saying. Because like, they don't not want like, to set the wrong expectation. Not know? the negative version of prideful, but like the very positive, like earthed, like grounded, like – they are very proud yeah. of their ranches and they're very proud of their land. And they want to accurately describe it. They don't want to mislead people. They want, and they want to, you to have a great time. You're like, their right. Guest. Exactly. They want you yeah. to have a great time yeah. on their land because they love their land and they see yeah. what they have. And, and so, yeah, I think that's different. I, you know, elk is probably the one they'll probably, if I had to rank the species, I would book an order on land trust. Elk would probably be the last one. 
just because it's like there's some pretty good stuff. <laughs> there is some good. I don't know. Like it's you know the elk is such a hot topic for our group. Like that's yeah. our thing, man. And and it's hard to change eight minds, especially when half of them are engineers. <laughs> so you know what I mean. Like I would yeah. uh, like like a Kansas whitetail or an antelope or like mm-hmm. a shed hunt. Like man, those things seem like just no brainer slam dunks. Let's do it. The elk thing, it's like you got to have a unit you apply for. And, like, are we mm-hmm. going to switch units because the unit we have doesn't have a land trust listing now, and now we're going to switch to a completely new unit? Yeah, totally. And that's where, like, our job as a marketplace is to make sure we keep bringing more and more ground right. on so that, yeah, we already have ground in the units that you're interested in. Yeah, sure. that would be different. Like, if there was a land trust yep. listing down the road from where we already hunt, you bet I'm going to be the first one to book that. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, and I think it's yep. just new. Like, anything new, really, it takes a little bit of time. you got to, like, kind of test out the waters, and then you're like, man. Man, the hot tub's way more comfortable than the unheated swimming pool. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's, I mean, you talk about how can you trust it, which I get. Like, we are bringing a new model. Like, yes, it's a familiar model because of Airbnb and, like, other marketplaces. But think about, I was an early host on Airbnb in New York City, like, 2010, 2011. And, yeah, think about how sketchy that transaction used to be. Like, a stranger Come sit in my house. Sleep, sleep in my bed and, like, you know, like, that is a way more intimate transaction than giving someone access to hunt your ground. And yeah, that, that, I mean, their first investor like, no one's ever going to do this, but they built a lot of trust into the transaction now that you wouldn't even think about it. Yeah. So for, for the people who, for the sportsmen who've been using land trust now for four years since we've been around, like, it's like every, it's automatic. I think, They're the early adopters. And I think that, you know, for me, I think it'll just expand the opportunities that I do and maybe that's what I more meant is like first I view it as expanding the things I do versus changing yeah. what I already do. Like I'll probably we'll sure, probably yeah. still do the public land DIY archery elk thing for a while because we we do have a big group. It'd be kind of hard to accommodate. Maybe if we like if it worked out and eight people are splitting the fee, the sixty five thousand acre ranch isn't off the table. But I kind yeah. of view this more as like man, I've always wanted to hunt like a Kansas whitetail. But I don't know where to go mm-hmm. in the publics. That you know, I don't know any of it. But it's like, oh, hey man, there's this great Kansas listing. Kansas is ninety nine percent private. Yeah, there's this. Well, that's right. So there's this great list <laughs> yeah. for Kansas whitetail. It's a you know, four day hunt's not going to be that expensive. Me and my wife can go down there and have a great time. Like that's yeah, probably something I would be. Want to go kill a Rio turkey or yeah. you want to go whatever hog hunt in Texas? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I see it first, just expanding what I dare to do to things that it's like I would love to do, but it's like ah, you know, there's just enough like mental hurdles to figuring it out that I just don't happen for to sure. do it. And then eventually I'll probably be like, yeah, this is like a no-brainer for the elk too. But there's yep. there's always that man. What is it about us that you always want? You always wanted that challenge, and especially to like overcome the challenge. Like, yeah. Like some so, part of it's which, like that to me, where it's like yeah, it, the the challenge being the chess game of beating everyone else, all the other crowds on public. It's not a. I, I don't want to play that game. Like play play stupid that's game with diff- stupid prizes. That's a different like- game for sure. But yeah, like yeah. like there is something about like like for example the North Dakota bull I shot, and I probably talk about this yeah. too much. But I remember, yeah, yeah. I yeah. shot a three fifty four on public in North Dakota. The big boy. And there's yeah. a lot of private ranches with some great elk, and I just said, you know what? I'm not even gonna bother asking for permission on private. I bet I'm going to get told no anyway. I'm just going to focus on public and just figuring it out and finding one on public when, like, the odds are stacked against you and coming out victorious. Like, there's something that really feels good about that. But at the... Agreed. I I agree with you. I agree with you. But at the same time, once you get through the fall and you've just 
had your teeth kicked in for two straight months because that's usually how it actually goes. You're like, man, I just want things to work. I just want to be comfortable. I want to be peaceful. I want to have, like, I just want to enjoy time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to not be stressed. That's how, it's the yeah. same feeling I apply to guides and outfitters. Like, I'm generally the DIY guy, but, man, after, like, six years now getting like our teeth kicked in and the archery thing like my brother's phenomenal mm-hmm. he shot a bunch of bulls with his bow and i haven't shot any and i'm like it would be kind of nice to Me go either. with a professional that knows what they're doing for <laughs> yeah. once and, and have yeah. someone else cook the meals when you get back from camp and you're super tired and <laughs> totally you know what i mean like there's it would well, be kind of nice <laughs> look <clears throat> it's i i can make the comparison to lodging a lot um airbnb didn't kill hotels nor will it ever right yeah. because it's a different application yeah so like when I travel for work, like I'm going to SHOT Show here, what is that, two weeks? Yeah. I'm staying at a freaking hotel. I, I'm staying on the strip in a hotel. I don't want to like, I want to I have like, you know, uh, restaurants in there. I want to be able, I, I have room service. I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. But when I travel with my three children, I want to stay in an Airbnb because I want to have different rooms for sleeping. I want to be able to cook food because it's expensive. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so, and then there's like the, like the public land is like, I'm staying, I'm crashing at my buddy's house. You know, like I'm just, I'm, sleep I'm not paying, yeah. Yeah, I'll go sleep, whatever, it's free and I don't care. And it's fun for maybe the application, but there's like different. Yeah, yeah. Like I absolutely, we know people that, you know, land trust sportsmen, they'll hunt public sometimes, they'll book land trust hunts and maybe they'll do an outfitter hunt when it's like, I'm going to do this totally different thing. I have no idea how to do and I'll, I'll book an outfitter then. So it's, it's not like either, it's not all or nothing, right? you know? For sure. What does the map look like right now for land trust properties? Because I know you're you're very, you got a lot of listings. There's a lot of, like, it took me hours. I didn't even get to the bottom of, you know, it didn't even come close, but you know, you're in a lot of States. It's not just the West. Like what, mm-hmm. are you in every state yet? No, no. Uh, we're probably right, right around 40 States. We've got listings and, and look for some that's, of those, it might be one or two listings, right? Well, that's so still pretty like, darn close to 50. Yeah. I'm curious to see the first Rhode Island, you know, <laughs> what's going to be the first Rhode Island. Listing. It's going to like pop there. up and then booked. <laughs> <laughs> like it just instantly yeah, totally. tied down. Yeah. Hawaii yes. might be an interesting so got, one. I, we've had, you know, we've had some landowners. Uh, a lot of people don't know, like biggest ranch in America is in Hawaii. Um, Conti- like so, the biggest continuous. Yeah. Acreage wise. Yeah. Um, so uh, but, that is yeah, shocking. I, mean, I know it, it is interesting. Um, so yeah, like we got, we have a lot of coverage and it's, you know, we're, we're growing every week. I hope you created an account and I hope you selected the stuff you're interested in, because if you do, when you go just for your listeners, you can go for, create a free account on land trust. Um, and when you sign up you say, I'm a sportsman, I'm interested in hunting. And we'll ask you like, well, cool. What state do you live in? What states are you interested in? What species yeah. are you interested in? And then you, if you let, if you say, uh, you tell us that stuff as we bring on new listings, you'll be like, Hey, you told me you're interested in Montana and mule deer. There's a new Montana mule deer hunting listing. Right. And we'll send you email an email and a text when that kind of stuff happens. So like we're scouting for you 365 days a year. Um, yeah. So it's, we, we do have pretty good coverage. We're growing more into the South, Southeast, Midwest. Um, we're obviously, we have a very strong in Montana, Nebraska, Kansas. We're growing in North Dakota, uh, Iowa, Missouri. Like, yeah, we're, we're growing. Awesome. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if I want to remember right, and I'm testing myself just to make sure I don't lie to the public. Um, don't do that. Yeah. I'm pretty – I don't remember how I signed in, but I do remember signing in. And I, because the reason I – like, I don't necessarily remember doing things, but I remember if I think through something and make a decision based on how I thought, I seem to remember that better. And I seem to remember thinking, like, 
this is the silliest thing. Like the questions you ask me, and I, this is just my opinion. But I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna end up checking everything. Like, what's the point of this? Just tell me whenever there's a new property. Okay, let's just start with there. I'll tell you the things I'm not interested in. That's gonna be a shorter list. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, a lot. Look, there are certain people who are just like, hey, I'm only interested in archery elk hunting. Like, yeah. all right, cool. We're not gonna tell you about pheasant properties that come on, right? So, like, you usually see that big game upland hunter divide. Yeah. I mean, I'm the same way. I pretty much am interested in whatever. Yeah. Um, but the states, I think that res, state residency, we're going to be doing more with that. And like I've talked to actually the Go Hunt guys a little bit about this. There's going to be some cool products that we're releasing this year. Um, you know, one of them, I don't know if I told you in last, we're, we're going to ship something where you'll be able to see every over-the-counter hunt in, in the country. I remember um, you talking about that. I don't remember if it was yeah. far enough along to like share it. But that is, I remember thinking like that's a key piece. That would be a free resource, yeah. right? So it'll just be like, you don't even have to, now, of course, we'll show if we have land trust properties in those units that have over-the-counter hunts, we'll show you that, too. But in the in the not-so-distant future, you'll be able to go to a website and say, like, I want to hunt mule deer over-the-counter, and we'll show you every tag. Yeah. Uh, some people will hate it, some, but it's going to be a really good use, a very useful resource. Because right now, if you say, like, you go Google, like, over-the-counter elk hunting, it's just a bunch of blog posts, right? It's not actual tactical information. Like, you could do it in Colorado or whatever. Well, to be fair... I think Colorado is the last remaining true over-the-counter system, and it sounds like they're going to change that. Um, yeah, the, the 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 hunt the hunt experience, the hunt quality has. I mean, everyone I've talked to, I, we have team members who live in Colorado. Like, dude, it is freaking nuts. Like, it's just not fun. Yeah. There's a million people out there. Yeah, well, and I think they're just they're legislatively going to be changing it. Like, it's not going to be over the counter yeah. anymore. It's going to be apps or whatever it means, or maybe yeah. just the cap. Like Idaho, Idaho is counted as yeah, an over the counter state, but it's a quota. It's a first yeah. come first serve quota, and yeah. and it's not even first come first serve because they sell out the day they launch. So you like yeah, like one minute. It's in. still yeah. basically a lottery, you know. Yeah. And then Alaska's got some over the counter stuff, but Alaska's pretty protected due to logistics of like getting mm-hmm. overrun. Um, yeah, yeah. That's but a, that's other a than huge, that, like I, mean, I don't a, know of a single over-the-counter mule deer opportunity with a rifle. Nebraska rifle mule deer is over-the-counter. Rifle mule deer, it's quoted over-the-counter. Okay, there you go. And we have some absolutely incredible places in Nebraska for mule deer. Well, I wish you wouldn't have said that until we ended the episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's that's the difference, man. But By there's the way, not like there's you, can, you start we, to we think about it. The, um, there's not yeah. a lot of over-the-counter opportunity. Like, I don't think there's a ton of over-the-counter rifle antelope either anymore. And no, so, there used to, no, yeah, Nebraska, no, I don't know that there is. I don't think there's any over-the-counter rifle. Yeah, archery a lot more. But the, the point I was getting to is, like, everyone's worried about people like you and I and Randy burning spots. It's like, it's kind of hard to burn a spot when there you can't get a tag anyway unless you have some points, like... And it's really hard to burn private land. <laughs> it is. It's hard to burn private land. It's pretty hard to burn Especially when land. it's that's exclusive it. access. Yeah, that's it. That's right. So, so like we, we're, we share success all the time because it's we all have the same ability. Like, hey, yeah, some kid kill a 202-inch mule deer on this place in Stanford, Montana. You think they'll book that again next year? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I bet, though, I bet so, too. So what yeah. happens when, like, a rancher has, like, let's just say the 65,000-acre place. Sure. Like that, they could have more than one person or party on it, right? Like you could just yeah. do the math. Like sixty-five thousand acres is plenty of land for a few people yeah. to be hunting. Would they just have to parcel it off and list it as like two or three yeah. different parcels? 
That's that's right. So so land trust kind of guarantee is that you have exclusive access to the property that you book for the dates that you book, right? Okay. And now a huge yeah, I mean even you don't have to go to that big. Like there's just some there's landowners who own ground that isn't contiguous. It makes sense sometimes to keep them together. Sometimes it makes sense to have them in separate listings. Yeah. So it really depends on what the ground is, what they want to do. But yeah, it, if you book a listing. If it's 10 acres or 65,000 acres and it's a land trust listing, you have exclusive access to that ground for the days you book it. Yeah. Awesome. That Unfortunately, sounds... that ranch is in an incredibly difficult draw for elk. It's an incredible unit in Montana, but like no one draws it. So it's very hard to actually book that thing. I'm out. starting to get a few points in Montana. I have 93 points across the West. Wow, man. Which is, yeah, that's the public land. It's the public land scramble. Yeah, the bingo. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not even public land scramble. It's just like the point creep, the Western hunting. The, it's like that's a chess game of its own is like figuring out, you know, up until this year, since I graduated college, you know, it's been our group's mission to elk hunt every year. And the group is still going. Like we have not missed a year since 2015. Nice. But to do that, like, we've had to jump through some hurdles and some hoops, and I think we even got lucky and got the Wyoming random one year to save us. And and then this last year, we knew we weren't going to draw, so we'd switch to Colorado. Um, but that was How the first was that? time. Um, it was not an over-the-counter unit. It was a zero-point okay. draw unit. We had a local person that I've had on the podcast and have been out to his house and shed hunted with. So he kind of helped you, yeah. Yeah, and it still wasn't enough. It was hard. <laughs> Was it was it just a zoo or what? Um, we did not see that many hunters. We saw a lot of uh, non-consumptive users, um, and uh, we just didn't see as many elk. And it was a it was it was a hard unit to hunt. I mean, it was steep. It was high elevation. Like, yeah, we hit the red line plenty. Um, to be fair, we should have been successful. Uh, I have a buddy, mm. a new buddy. He was a so our group is like two families, and he was a cousin of the other family. So I just met yeah. him this year, but he had a bull at twenty three yards. And, um, big, he's a good sized bull, not a monster, but like he just bad luck, man. He, he drew back and he was, he's dropping his pin down to his, this elk and this elk's walking in and he's, he's just, he said, he just got his 40 about to the back, you know, down to the back line and the elk saw him and did the whole, you know, and then he did the, and then accidentally punched his trigger and his arrow went way over the back. And then he, the elk went out to like 45 and he was about ready to sh- get a second shot. And, it, like, as he knocked his arrow, he realized he grabbed his grouse arrow out of his quiver on accident. <laughs> oh, man. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. and then the, after that, the, the, the you know, the elk were on to him and whatever. It was, it was a really interesting, yeah. you know, encounter the way it sounded. But, yeah, we technically we should have been successful. I had two bulls under 60 both times. I just didn't have a sh- clear shot at, at the vitals. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say it wasn't good because we've had worse. We've shot more bulls with less encounters before, too. Yeah. So it's yeah, hard. but I'm sure he had a fun experience, right? You know, so it's yeah. He he didn't say it was fun. You know, that night at camp when he told the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, I missed I missed a nice muley at 19 yards, so uh, it was it kind of blew out my night vision. So I, I understand that. I understand the pain. Yeah, no, it, that that's a bummer. So, but yeah, no, I'm I'm super excited for Land Trust. As you can tell, I called you back as soon as we got off the last podcast to do this one and share it with the Western hunting crowd, not just the entrepreneurship yeah. crowd. And and I'm, I'm I am really excited for the opportunities it's going to open up. You know, for me personally, like me and my wife, just 
you know, having a date night, watching a movie, scrolling listings and looking at like, <laughs> you want to go to Nebraska on a meal deer hunt? I, I yeah, maybe, I don't know what, what, you know, what's the deal. And it's like, well, here's the deal. Here's the property. Apparently there's over the counter mule deer tag. You know what I mean? Like I can I can confirm to you there are over the counter rifle mule deer tags. It is a quota, so you got to buy them. But yeah, uh, and yeah. so yeah, like it's like I don't know. You off next week? Yeah, I could be off next week. Well, let's go. Or you know, you probably have to book yeah. it out a little bit. Don't wait that long because yeah. the tags will probably sell out. But, but, but I'll but, book yeah. it before this podcast goes live. That's uh, that's a fact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, before everyone yeah, else buys that tag, on sale in July. But but yeah, um, no, it's it's um. It's. I think it's, it really is going to open up a lot of opportunities that I've kind of written off just due to the planning and the logistics. And, you know, everyone's got their ranking of different experiences they want oh, yeah. in life. And some of these things, it's just like the amount of time it would take to go do it on public and the planning it would take to do it and figure it all out. And then, you know, baking into this calculation in my mind, like I'll probably have to do it like two or three years to probably be successful. Like, if I was going to go public land, Nebraska mule deer, like, that's not a guarantee first year you're going to punch 98% it. private state, too. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think this is that other piece, too. Because of who our landowners are, they're multi-generation families. They live and work on that land every day. They give you a lay of the land, you know? It's that's not, helpful. It's not, guided, it's not guided by any means, but at the same time, like, you know, like, if someone came to your place, you'd be like, hey, man, this is kind of how shit works here, you know? They usually like to bed over there. You'll see them in the morning, sometimes over here. They do water stuff. Like, you're getting a lay of the land. Yeah. Again, it's not guided, but these people kind of know what's going on. So, and, uh, you know, it could be just as good as guided. Like, yeah, for someone and, that and, knows how to hunt, you don't have to tell me right. how to spot and stock this animal. You just, I just, where do I start? Yeah, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, just tell me how they, how they generally operate yeah. around here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, no. so that, that really does help when you're going to a new place and maybe it's a new species for you. You know how to hunt. You just never done that in that place, you know? Yeah, exactly. So folks can go to landtrust.com. I'm on it right now. Yep. yep. Sign up for a free account. I can't remember what it took to sign up, but I think it was like an email and a phone number or something. It's simple. Yeah, we get, you know, uh, it's, yeah, it's your name and email. You can sign up with, like, if you have a Facebook or Google account. Uh, get a phone number because we, like, it, you know, we'll ask you to send texts. We're not going to blow you up with texts, that's stupid marketing stuff. But, again, you tell us what you like, what you're interested in. I live in this state. I'm interested yeah. in these states. I like hunting. I'm interested in these species. As we get new properties on board and match what you're interested in, we send them to you. Yeah. Uh, you can check like, them out. Don't be the guy that didn't sign up for the notifications and missed that. 202 inch mule deer farm <laughs> you know i bet there's like 10 people out there that are like shoot should have got the notifications yeah absolutely so uh, yeah in the, in the future uh i would say create your free account um we're gonna be rolling out some cool products here in the next two months or so um so when, if you have your account at least we can email to let you know about them I would say I would be very confident in telling listeners, I did it. I signed up for my account. I scrolled all these listings. If nothing else, you will not be disappointed in your time. Um, It's like, I would say at a bare minimum, it's the same as like if your wife just likes to look at Zillow listings of houses she has no intention (laughs) of buying. It's the same for us. That's exactly what it is for us hunters. It's like, you can just look at all these different opportunities and you have no intention of buying, but eventually you might find one that's perfect for you. You know what I mean? And so yeah, like, so you're not going to regret the time you spent on this. It's, it's fast. Yeah, it's and like simple. driving down. Yeah. It's like driving down back roads and looking at ground. Yeah. You can do it from your phone. Or yeah. You, you can know, do it while you're watching phone. Netflix tonight and, and yeah. you'll just be like, Oh man, that's kind of neat. And I never thought about it. Maybe I would want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Lantris.com. 
And then if you if if you have questions, like again, we have real live people here. You can text us. You can call us. Talk to talk to your customer success team. Uh, you can you can just do inquiries and message landowners with questions. So it's it's pretty easy to use. I'm sure anyone who's listening to your podcast would be. It's not going to be hard for them to use. Oh, yeah. If anyone has ever bought anything online, you you got all the skills you need to figure this stuff out. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I appreciate you having me back on. It's been a fun conversation. Yeah, I'd love to have you back on. We should do another one after I do the first, like, land trust hunt. You should. That'd be yeah, a really fun, absolutely. like. Nebraska muleys, man. You know what? I might be able to swing that this year because I'm not doing the big elk hunt. We're doing the antelope instead. So I got, like, a couple extra vacation days. There you go. Check them out. I'm pretty sure my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. She listens to my other <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. my, I don't think my wife listens. Uh, so maybe a, she does. I don't know. I have a little bit of time to figure out what my proposal strategy is going to look like. But, um, yeah, no, it could be really cool. But Or if you ever have any new features you're launching, feel free to reach out. We'd love to have you back on, share some of the new stuff. Um, yeah, I'd say in March it'd be cool to, like, there's going to be some cool stuff. Yeah. Just in time for the big show season. Yeah, just in that, well, spring turkeys. Spring turkeys is big for us. And we're going to be, uh, for anyone who's listening, we're going to be at National Wild Turkey Federation's show. And what is that, in like a month? They did it on Valentine's Day this year. I'm like, come on. No, guys. they did not. Yeah, it starts on Valentine's Day. Um, so is... we'll be out there in Nashville. Uh, I can't remember what other shows we might be at, but we'll do some tax and stuff too. I'm guessing Western Hunt Expo is on the list. We're actually not doing Western Hunt Expo this year. We it's we can only do so many shows. Yeah. And WTF was a great show for us. Uh, and tax are great. We work with John Dudley and, and okay. Dud's great. And, and so like we do tax with him. Um, those are kind of the only sportsman shows we've really done so far. Oh. Western Hunt's on the radar. But yeah. Cool. Well, if you go to any of those shows, folks, go check out the Land Trust booth. Say hi to Nick. Yep. Tell him that you like him better on podcasts than me. And then uh, go book your <laughs> go book your uh, your land trust. All right, appreciate it, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, have a great day, Nick. Thanks for being here, and thank you for listening, folks.